It is June, and I want to give a shout-out to all the wonderful people who go to patreon.com and support Set Lusting Bruce. Let's give a wonderful thank you to Jeff Ulmer, Sylvia L, Liz Brunson, Fernando Santamaria Lozano, Steve Vansack, Rob Barnett, Randy Brown, Crystal Carroll, Bella Pori, John Munson, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio, Captain America, Dale Hosack, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas. Thank you so much for being here and providing support. Because of these wonderful people, Set Lusting Bruce continues to happen. For now, on to the podcast. Fast forward a few years and Exile on Main Street came out. And I just loved that album. Oh my gosh. I bought it on cassette. Shows you again my age. And I think I listened to it so much that the tape ended up just wearing out. But but I that was what 72, I think, when that album came out. You sure um, it wasn't an eight-track? No, it was not an eight-track. It was definitely okay. cassette. Yeah. Okay. I had this little tiny rectangle tape player. And it, but I what I was really into at that point was the faces, Rod Stewart and the Faces. Oh. They were my band, just just loved them. And Again, fast forwarding a couple of years, the Stones released Love You Live. Mm-hmm. And side four of that two album set just blew me away, right? It was Jumpin' Jack Flash, Satisfaction, Sympathy for the Devil. And oh my God, I was hooked. Just absolutely hooked. And from that point on, I... Every penny I got mowing grass, I was down at the record store buying Stones albums and ended up owning all of them, plus several dozen bootleg albums. Just fell in love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train today, though I'm sure he will come up as he normally does. And we are talking, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. Jeff Ton is a fellow podcaster and he was i've reached out to him we are both part of a group where we exchange and offer different guests and jeff said i can talk bruce a little bit but i can talk your ear off about the stones and i said sold so jeff welcome to the podcast tell us a little about yourself it is great to be here jesse thank you so much for the opportunity. I spent my career about 40 plus years in information technology. So it is fantastic to be able to 
talk about music for a little bit. So I, as I said, in information technology, in fact, my podcast status go is about leadership in the technology space. But uh, here in central Indiana, Indianapolis, I've been here for most of my life. I've got a a wife and two, I call them my bouncing baby boys because they're 44 and 39 and they have children of their own. So I'm a, a grandparent of six, soon to be seven bouncing boys and girls. That is awesome. So thank you for mentioning that, Jeff, about a change of pace. Most people that I reach out to feel the way you do. They will say, (laughs) oh, really? I don't have to talk IT. I don't have to talk. I don't have to talk relationships. I, I don't have to talk sports. I can talk music and they're good. A small percentage just says, I think I'd be a bad fit for your podcast. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But most people are like you. They're like, oh man, this is a little change of pace. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast is to give people that don't get a chance to talk about whether it's Bruce, whether it's the Stones, whether it's Leonard Cohen, (laughs) whether it's Merle Haggard, just a chance to share and talk music. So that's great. We will touch on your podcast in a little bit. Yeah, I always yeah. like to start at the beginning. Talk about, by the way, anytime someone says Indiana, I think of the line from John Hyatt leaving out of Indiana in the back of a pickup truck. So, <laughs> and I'm always tempted. Did you leave Indiana in the back of a pickup truck? Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. There, there's a lot of reference. You could go with Tom Petty talking about Market Square, which is Market Square Arena. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's no longer here, but it's yeah. been torn down. But yeah, there's lots of references to it. Absolutely. Talk to me about growing up. Where did you grow up? What kind of music did your family listen to when you were younger? And you wow. and I, we've established we're about the same age. Yeah. We're within yeah. one year yeah. of each other. So you probably graduated high school in 76. I graduated in 77. Yep. In the you mix, got it. The height of AM radio. That's right. I grew up uh, um, in a couple of little cities uh, here in Indiana. Lebanon was was where I probably first started thinking about music and that. So Lebanon's a little town, about 10,000 people north of Indianapolis. And I'm the son of an American Baptist minister. So my dad was a preacher. So the first music that I was really ever introduced to was church music, hymns. And there was always music going on in our house. But I was child number three out of four. So as my brother and sister got older, grew older, became teenagers, they started listening to some of that rock and roll music. And that's really probably what got me started. And I started the monkeys were on television and the monkeys were, were pretty cool to, to watch and listen to. And I think they were my first record and then the Beatles. And it was just that time that rock was everywhere. And we moved to Evansville, Indiana 
in about 1970. And I fell in with a couple of guys that just loved music. They became my buddies and we just started listening to records all the time. And I fell in love with it. I started playing guitar and man, I wanted to grow up and be a rock star. Instead, I grew up to be a chief information officer for a couple of different companies. Didn't quite make the rock star status, but uh, music was everywhere growing up. Did you, did you go through a stage where you rebelled against what kind of music your parents listened to, or did you just enhance your specter, your kind of, your long, your attention span, what you were listening yeah. to? No, I would say it was a rebellious time. You grew up in about the same time, Jesse, and it was a rebellious time against our parents, what they were listening to. And I just don't remember them listening to much of anything other than uh, church music, organ type music. And it was really my brother and sister that started listening to all the hits of the day back in the mid sixties and into the seventies. Uh, that really sparked that love of, of, I would call it popular music. Do I enjoy the occasional hymn from time to time? Yeah, but there's nothing like uh, Christmas or Easter hymns at the church for that. But it's uh, it's been rock and roll for me since, uh, gosh, the late '60s. I I may have missed that. What denomination were you? Were your was American your Baptist? Baptist. Okay. So, All right. so music was wasn't like really fundamental. It wasn't that you couldn't listen to to rock music. Uh, it it was more open than that, and it was welcomed in the house. The, my siblings and I played music all the time on our record player. So I grew up in a Southern Baptist home in okay. Louisiana. In fact, when a few, gosh, more than a few years ago, but when Alan Jackson did two out two CDs of a secular music, of Christian music. Mm -hmm. He talked about he got the old Baptist hymnal and just picked up songs. And I knew almost every song of that. I grew up with that music. <laughs> Same thing. My parents were country and Western, just ah, I mean, country music only. And yep. so later when I just, of course, my mom did love 50s rock and roll and flats, fats domino and this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. that's yeah, that's good stuff. When did you discover the Stones and what about them spoke to you? Wow. So I would say I discovered them probably three times. Oh, Here's okay. what I mean by that. Uh, right. I mentioned when I moved to Evansville that I fell in with a group of, of other kids that just listened to love music. And a good, a good buddy of mine at the time, Charlie Hagan, man, we were going to be rock stars together. He was the drummer. I was the guitar player. And he had this record album by this band called the Rolling Stones. And it was through the past darkly. And if you know that album, it's the one that's 
cut in an octagonal octagonal shape and they're looking through a broken piece of glass and uh, he was telling me about brian jones he's dead and all this kind of stuff and we listened to it and it was like oh, okay that it's okay and then fast forward a few years and exile on main street came out and i just loved that album oh my gosh i bought it on cassette shows you again my age and i think i listened to it so much that the tape ended up just wearing out but but i that was what 72 i think when that album came out you sure um, it wasn't an eight track no it was not an eight track it was definitely okay. cassette yeah i had this little tiny rectangle tape player and it, but i what i was really into at that point was the faces rod stewart and the faces oh, wow. they were my band just just loved them and a Again, fast forwarding a couple of years, the Stones released Love You Live. Mm -hmm. And side four of that two album set just blew me away, right? It was Jumpin' Jack Flash, Satisfaction, Sympathy for the Devil. And oh my God, I was hooked. Just absolutely hooked. And from that point on, I every penny I got mowing grass, I was down at the record store buying Stones albums and ended up owning all of them plus several dozen bootleg albums. Just fell in love. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Is it just the energy? Was it the rock and roll? The energy? It was, it was the energy. It was the it, it was the energy. It was the roots in blues. Um, I listening to the Stones introduced me to like Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf, and uh, ended up Buddy Guy, a more contemporary blues player, and just fell in love with the blues as well. And that it's that bluesy rock and roll that. Uh, 
really struck struck me and the energy of oh my gosh seeing him live i saw him live i think it was 75 that was the first time i saw him live in bloomington indiana and just incredible energy on the stage and um, over time you had you end up with different favorite songs and all that and I, I tell you my favorite still to this day from them is sympathy for the devil become a history geek later in life. And when you listen to the lyrics of that song, it's really a walk through the history of mankind mm -hmm. and interlace where evil fits in. And just something about that song just is magnetizing. But I also love countless other songs of theirs. I always like to preface this, that the amount of times you've seen your favorite artist is not necessarily a barometer of how big of a fan you are. Depending on your age, your economic situation, where you're located. If you grew up in the seventies, living in the New York, in the East coast, good chance you saw Bruce a lot. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you, yep. Uh, you growing up in Southwest Louisiana, like the way I did, you did not see <laughs> Bruce a lot. <laughs> So if you talked about your first show, and we're going to go back to that in a little bit more, but yep. do you count how many times? And if so, how many? I've never really counted, though I believe it's it's in the range of about 15 times, okay. somewhere in there. Some tours, I've seen them more than once. Steel Wheels, I saw them a couple, three times. And uh, I've caught them on their last couple of tours here in uh, here in the states, and uh, so try to see them every time, I every, every chance that we can, right? and uh, try to pick an interesting city to go see them. Seen them in Chicago. Haven't seen them in New York. I saw Clapton in New York, but uh, just love going to the shows. Did. Talk about that. So you were already a fan when you went to that first show, correct? I went to that show. That was actually before that album came out. Okay. I, I wouldn't call myself a fan. Okay. But it was the Rolling Stones, right? right. And it yes. was, I forget, Bloomington was, what, maybe two hours from where I was living in Evansville at the time. And it was just one of the things to go do. And it was one of the pieces that just attracted me to them. And then that Love You Live album, I believe, was recorded during that tour, if I remember correctly. What was the first show you went to where they had become your band? Gosh, I saw them. I'm trying to remember the next time I saw them. Probably 78 in Chicago. And by then they were my band, right? Yeah. And I tried, by that time, I'm trying to see them every single time. And just traveling around the Midwest, they went through this phase where they didn't play Indianapolis 
I want to say on one of their tours, Indianapolis was the only city that didn't sell out. Uh, and so they didn't come back for like 20 years. Uh, and so you had to travel to, to get it. Most of the time, I've seen them most often in Chicago because that's, uh, that's a three and a half hour drive from here. And that's pretty easy to go do. So I'm going to get back to music in a minute, but for now, no one grows up saying, I want to manage a call center. That's what I do. <laughs> I want to be a CIO. <laughs> yeah. That is not what little boys and little girls dream of. How did you get into the IT field? So I, I seriously wanted to be a rock star and uh, all through high school, that's all I ever dreamed of doing. And when push come to, came to shove, I had to go to college. It was a rule from my parents. I had to go. So I went to Indiana State to major in music theory and composition. And I had this very rude awakening that you actually had to have talent to major in theory and composition. And I did not. Uh, so I had no idea what I was going to do. And much to the dismay of my parents, I dropped out. A couple years later, this, uh, this new thing came out on the market, the Commodore 64, a computer that cost, I don't know, probably three or $400 at the time. And so I bought one and, oh my God, I fell in love. I fell in love with writing code. Um, and it became my instrument because I could make that thing do anything I wanted it to do. And I became a voracious reader of technology textbooks, systems development lifecycle, database theory and design, and uh, really taught myself and learned from those around me how to code and eventually moved into I was working at a bank at the time and moved into the information systems department at the bank and worked my way up to become a programmer. And the rest, they say, is history. So, I I love that story because I had I was in high school and I had scored on one of the PSATs or ACT some of the tests. I had scored really high on math. And my high school math teacher, who was one of those teachers you adore, said, what you are to do is instead of going for a math degree, you should do computing science <laughs> because that'll be a little more fun than math. Uh -huh. And that's what I signed up for. And but I, I was a lousy typist. And back then you had to do the cards. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I have never been a patient guy. And to type, try to type that note, those cards, run it, get the errors. And I ended up like I, I barely passed Fortran and decided mm -hmm. no. And I well, just a couple years later, there was a little more where it was on the screen. And I often think if I had waited a little bit later that might have been a little bit easier for me yeah uh, but yeah. yeah that was 
it, it was a very it was a I could see how and I love that idea that Commodore became your instrument. Yeah. Your way of ex of being creative and exploring different things. That's very cool. Do you still play guitar? I do a little bit, mostly yeah. with my grandson, Jordan. He wants to learn how to play. So he and I have been dinking around and I bought him a junior size guitar that he can play with. But I, I haven't really played in a long time. Still love music, but just really put that part of it aside. Okay. It's funny we're having this conversation today because I, I am just wrapping up a blog post that I'm writing for my blog on basically a conversation that I would have had with my 17-year-old self. Mm -hmm. uh, and that conversation would start with, son, put down that guitar, pick up the keyboard. Uh -huh. <laughs> but... Uh, I didn't have anybody like like you that uh, talked to you about going into computer science. Uh, it took me a long time to make that route to to get there, but it was still a pretty successful career, just the same. Jeff, what's what I would tell my seventeen year old self is my dad played the guitar all the time, and I never had the patience to try to learn it. Ah. And my dad was not someone who would force something on. Mm -hmm. And uh, and both of my parents grad did not graduate from high school. They got GEDs. So education wasn't important in our house. It was um and so I would tell my 17 self, one, discover Bruce Springsteen faster. Yeah, and there you go. two learn how to play the guitar. Learn yeah, yeah. Pick yeah. your dad's. Not that it would have been a, a career, but just I'm now 63, and people tell me, Jesse, it's not too late. Just take the time. Yeah. And I go, I'm podcasting. I'm. Yeah. I've got my. It's, a, it's, a, it's amazing to me the number of people that are in technology related fields that have some sort of creative outlet. Yes. And. I have this good friend, Glenn Keller. He he talks about STEAM instead of STEM. He inserts the A for the arts yeah. in there. And people have this impression that technology is not a creative field. And it is. It's incredibly creative. Yeah, I do think so. And I think that the it, one of the things that... I've managed tech support teams. I've managed customer service teams. I, because of that, I've been able to do fairly well on most technology. And it, it, it's kept going. And it is finding that outlet to keep you and going. Did you... I want to go back to one you said a little bit when we started that the Rolling Stones opened a door for you on American blues and other mm -hmm. music. Let's yep. talk about that a little bit. Sh tell me a little bit of that journey, Jeff. 
I got to say that I would, I'm trying to think back to that time and um, it was probably Muddy Waters was my first step in into that world because of the influence that he had on the Rolling Stones. I'm, oh my goodness, he, they got their name from one of one of his songs, right? And I had the opportunity to see Muddy Waters in, uh, gosh, I forget what year he passed away, but I saw him like the year before he died here in Indianapolis. Um, and it was just incredible to listen to him and that growly voice that he had. And from there, I started exploring others. Memphis Slim and John Johnny John Lee Hooker. Even got into some of the modern guys, right? Steve, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Johnny Lang, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, more of the modern blues. And what I started finding was almost this genealogy of blues, right? It woven through a lot of the music that, that we grew up on. Uh, Eric Clapton was influenced by the blues. The Beatles were influenced somewhat by the blues, but they took their song, their music in a slightly different direction than some of them. The Who and all of these were, folks were listening to the same kind of music that was coming out of the Mississippi Delta or Chicago Blues, right? Sun Records in, or not Sun, uh, Chess Records in Chicago, huge blues place. And I lived for a year in Chicago in about, I guess it was 77, 78 timeframe when I'm just rediscovering the Rolling Stones for one of the multiple times before they were my band. And you, you read in the paper that they showed up at Muddy Waters uh, Bar and played at the checkerboard lounge and it's just incredible this to be able to unravel some of the roots that they had at that time i'm also discovering the doors and the blues that the doors would play again based on that on that what 12 bar progression blues that just was the foundation of so much any stories from shows that you want to share that you've seen <laughs> let's see probably none that i no. i'm kidding yeah i um, understand that yeah my, my <laughs> i tell you my favorite stones show that i've been to thus thus far was fourth uh, of july at the at, at the indianapolis motor speedway the home of the indy 500 they were the first band to play a concert there. It was, I'm drawing a blank on the year. I've got the shirt on. I should just yeah. a look. 2015. Uh, it was okay. July 4th, 2015. And what I loved about that show is that I took my wife, obviously, but I also took my two sons and a couple of the friends of theirs. So that next generation and we listened to the Stones all the way through traffic to get into the Motor Speedway, and then all during the uh, the uh, the pre-concert activities, waiting for it to start. 
And then I was lucky enough that a good friend of mine was actually the chief information officer for the motor speedway. And so when tickets went on sale, um, I bought them, but I got great tickets. So we were down front. And in fact, my wristbands, the two wristbands for my wife and I are number one and number two. Nice. And so we were down in the gold section, which was like right by the stage. And it it was funny because during that show, Keith actually falls. He trips and falls on the runway that they had. And if I say I was bent down refilling my drink at the time, I missed his fall. Everybody was talking about it. and I, I never saw it. And I was right there almost in the front row. That was a great show. I've seen him with uh, my cousin and his wife in Chicago. Probably the funniest and almost creepy type thing was I had two tickets to go to the show one time in Chicago and the person that was supposed to go with me couldn't go. So I showed up at Soldier Field with just with two tickets, but just myself. So I sold one of them to this guy and uh, it was a very chilly night in October there on Lake Michigan. And uh, this guy that I sold the ticket to kept trying to get closer to get warm. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I had to move a little bit, but that's uh, a great yeah. story. But, that's a great yeah, story. Lots of fun times. You know, one of the things that I do a pop culture podcast with my buddies that we just will take a topic. And several months ago, we talked how many actual great front men are there in rock and roll. And we Mm -hmm. had a debate like, would you call Bruce Springsteen a front man? And we're like, yes, but not really. Like, he's Tom Petty, yeah. You immediately think of Keith. Yeah. Mick. You think yep. of Mick and Freddie Mercury, right? Like this. Oh, this, yeah. yeah. Just this charismatic owning the stage. And it is, I, I little Steven has been very vocal in over the past few years that that if he had to do it all over again he would not have in fact he tells musicians don't break up the band don't officially disband go do whatever you want to do do your solo records do your projects but keep that and then you can always come back he said because there's something about that it is amazing that this many years later, they're still rolling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. S- 60 years for the Stones, right? Yeah. And they went through their period where yeah. Mick and Keith weren't talking to each other in the mid-80s. And they were releasing their solo albums that the songs were about each other. Yeah. Uh, somewhat. In the Paul and John genre of doing that and i tell you one of the coolest 
the coolest concert that I went to was, uh, I think it was the Steel Wheels was when they came back, right? The, it was their first time touring the U.S. in forever. I'm pretty sure I have the tour right, Steel Wheels. But I can remember so well the opening of that because I was sitting there in Chicago watching it and they did the Chicago Bulls thing where they've got that thing that flies around the city and mm-hmm. and then it explodes in the United Center only this time it explodes in in Soldier Field and there's this huge fireball on stage and there's Keith playing the opening riff and he's all he's all by himself before Mick even comes out to the stage and it was I think that was the transition to this was Keith's band, right? Before that, it was kind of Mick. Mm-hmm. Mick was the man. And I think this was, was Keith's moment. And it was just so cool. He had on, I want to say it was like a leopard skin jacket kind of thing. And he had sunglasses on and it was just boom. And it was just an awesome moment. Talk about losing Charlie. Ooh, that was hard. Charlie is the heart and soul. I think that holds for a lot of drummers in the bands, right? They're behind the scenes for the most part, but they're the lifeblood. And when we start first started hearing about Charlie Sick, they're going to go on tour without him. Um, we did, we that we actually skipped that tour because uh, Charlie died, and it's like, no, we we just can't. Uh, yeah, we can't now. Rumor has it they're coming back again, and we will go see them this time. I think Steve Jordan is a great drummer and a great fill-in for Charlie, but no one will ever replace that uh, that jazz backbeat that he has yeah. on the drums and. It's just so simple. And I tell you, my favorite, I think my favorite thing from Charlie Watts, I don't know if you saw it during the pandemic, they did that telethon to to raise money and the stones appeared and they did an acoustic version of you can't always get what you want. And Charlie played air drums because he didn't have his kit at home. And so they'd cut to him in his apartment or his house rather, and he's playing the air drums. And I just thought, that was such a beautiful moment to have him do that. He will be missed forever. The uh, The local sports station I've listened to here shared the story that went everywhere about him going to a party after being woke up and telling Mick, I'm not your drummer. You're my singer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I have heard that. I've heard that story both. And I believe it. I totally I do too. believe it. Yeah. 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 That's amazing yeah. that it is so good. Um, so any experiences with Bruce? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's so I saw Bruce, Bruce a couple of times. Born in the USA tour here in, in Indianapolis. I saw him in... One other tour, always with the E Street Band. To, to me, that was the Bruce that I loved uh, sure. with the E Street Band. Oh my God! And when Clarence passed away, that was that was like Charlie, right? He was the heart and soul of 
of so much of the band. I, th- I think I think they caught a break. Losing Danny was tough, the organist, mm-hmm. and and it was tough. But Clarence was such a big part, right? Yeah. Like, like I agree, Max is the backbone that brings yeah. it every night. But and I think you got a little lucky with Clarence having a nephew that yeah, was yeah. so talented and yeah. so charismatic. And I think that kind of made us us fans embrace him. Yeah. That he did well, Clarence that. is there in spirit, right? Yes. Because it's his yes. nephew. Right. And, it is. Yeah. And uh, so I, I don't know if you you're probably aware of this is as, yeah. as big a fan of Bruce that you are that he's actually on the latest live album that the Stones released. Yes. Gur. Yeah. He does he does tumbling dice. So um, he he tells the story in his autobiography that he was invited to the Stones were going to play somewhere in New York and they asked him to come on stage with him and so he went couple of days before day before i don't remember the exact but they were in a very plain nondescript almost garage like mm-hmm. just a studio and they rehearsed over and over again and bruce tells the story that growing up he wanted to be Keith. He wanted yeah. to be Mick. He wanted yeah. to be that. And yeah. that he said it was all great. The next night was exciting being in front of everyone, but really the true joy was just was being in that, that room oh, rehearsing yeah. with them. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And uh, my other favorite story about that, switching over to the Beatles, he, Bruce tells the story that the Grammys were going to do a tribute to Paul McCartney. And uh, John Landau, his manager, calls him and says, hey, the Grammys are asking if you want to come out and give tribute to Paul. And Bruce, he's a Beatle, right? He's still a Beatle, right? <laughs> we don't say no to helping out with a Beatle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, I think it is – in. There is just that the joy that we don't know how many more times we're going to get to see these guys perform. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you go as often as you can, and yes, as you you were talking about that, that Bruce going to that rehearsal, it reminded me of how I got really involved in the with the Rolling Stones to begin with. I, I mentioned I was a Faces fan. Yeah. It was Ronnie Wood. Yeah. And in 75, I'm remembering now why I went to that show, because I saw Ronnie Wood with the faces in 75. He was touring with both bands mm-hmm. and flying around the country. And so I saw Ronnie Wood with the faces and then later saw him with the Rolling Stones yeah. in the same summer. And that was really what really got me there. And you opened this whole thing up, Jesse, with it's only rock and roll, but I like it. That's a that's credited to Ronnie. Uh, yeah. The at least the inspiration for the song, and to hear Ronnie tell it, he wrote the song. 
we're not going to argue. <laughs> yes, there is a little bit of that. Uh, yeah. My other musical obsession are the Beach Boys, and there ah, is yeah. that Mike Love, Brian Wilson. Yeah. Uh, there is the. It is. I love that. I love that. Let's talk a little bit. Tell me about your podcast. No, that's uh, boring compared to rock and roll, but it, it, well, uh, it's a fun podcast. So it's a okay. so status go is a weekly podcast for technology professionals that want to break out of the status quo, hence the play on words. Okay. Um, and we sometimes talk tech, but most of the time we're talking leadership, some of uh, things like soft skills that we used to call them soft skills and now are more essential skills, leadership, business acumen. And uh, so wide variety of topics. Uh, uh, I've got an episode coming out a week from today. I interviewed chat GPT uh, mm -hmm. on the podcast, which nice. was, uh, which was interesting to, to go through. Just so we've done we're just over 200 episodes, been doing it about four years. We drop a new episode every Monday and just have a, a great time. And this being a podcast host, Jesse, is so much fun talking with so many interesting people. And we're in the catbird seat, right? We're the ones that gets to ask the questions that the audience would love to ask if they were there. Yeah. And so to have that front row seat, so to speak, to some of the greatest minds in technology and related fields has just been, it's been a sheer joy for me to do. What is, I'll be both positive and negative. What is something that you find most leaders do correctly? And what is one thing that you think they could do better? leaders what they do correctly versus what they could do better and then yeah like both like i didn't yeah, want to just a, say that's, that's a great question i'm thinking back to some of the people that i worked for in, in my yeah. career and there's a lot of them that could do things better i think i think a lot of leaders now technology leaders now are understanding that it's not about the tech it's about what the tech can do for the business um, that's not been always the case going back in time. Sometimes it was more about the tech, but I think that's something that a lot of leaders do very well now. I think where leaders still struggle is in communicating their vision. The, their vision has to be a part of and in support of the vision that the business has overall. Um, but so many times I talk to IT professionals that really have no idea. They know what they're doing, but they have no idea how it applies to the vision of the organization and what the organization is doing. And I think as leaders, we could do a better job uh, talking about that and telling that story, painting that picture, so to speak. I, yeah, I think said, Jeff, I know as a contact center leader, you know, the idea that working with my agents and making sure they understand the of what we're trying to accomplish 
and yeah. being open to it is a balance. We talk about work-life balance a lot, but it's often talk about let's make sure you have a good home life. And I always yeah. have to go, yes, but you also have to worry about your work family and are you there yes. for them and finding that yes. combination. Yes, absolutely. Um, I often I also talk about that if the it's a nice news bells and whistles, but is it going to make my life easier? Is it going to make my mm -hmm. team more efficient, right. have them less headaches? That's what the win is. And that's the discussion. So yeah, I agree with yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The name of the podcast again? That is go. Oh, good. I love that. And I will include a link on the show. Oh, awesome. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Jeff, what haven't I asked you that I should have? Oh, man. Gosh, we've talked so much about the stones. And I think the way that their music has woven itself through my kids, right? And, yeah. And ultimately their kids my uh, my nine-year-old grandson this was he was probably gosh maybe five maybe four yeah. he walks into uh, my office and of course there's a rolling stones tongue and so he's doing the ah with the tongue out and he still does that today four or five years later with me it's a connection that we have and i think that's the beauty of of music. I, I wrote a blog post several years ago called The Soundtrack of Our Lives. And what I didn't realize was the impact that music was having on my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about the impact that what my parents listened to. And they don't really have, a, I don't really have a recollection of what they listened to uh, that much. My sons absolutely know what we listen to. They fell in love with what we now call classic rock. They've gone on their own, right? And they're into hip hop. And yeah. I've got one of my sons is into heavy metal. And so they've gotten their own musical identity, but their roots are founded in driving around in the car, listening to the Rolling Stones. And nice. uh, to me, that's a beautiful thing, right? That is a very beautiful thing. Any songs you're chasing? Any songs that you want to hear live that you haven't got to hear? Oh. I always look at the set list of what's coming, what they're going to be playing. And I there's a few favorites that it's, yeah. oh my God, they just have to play them. One that I I'm trying to think. I'm sure I've heard this live. I'm, I should, but Dead Flowers to me is such a cool country-fied rock song that I enjoy that. Let It Bleed is another great song that uh, just echoes throughout the arenas. I tell you, more than anything, rather than a specific song, I'd love to see him in a small venue. Yeah. I would just love that. And we just, as ordinary Joes, we don't have the opportunity to do that. But that would 
really, really cool to see them in an intimate setting. That does sound really cool. Good. This has been a blast. I've enjoyed it so much. But before I let you go, I end every podcast with the Mary question. So if you are a listener of Jeff's podcast and you're checking him out, talking a little bit different, Jay Armstrong is a recently retired honors English teacher. And when he was teaching, he would take Bruce Springsteen's song, Thunder Road, would break apart. He would give the lyrics to his students. They would they would study it and treat it as if it was a poem, talking about the imagery Bruce is using, the choice of lyrics, the words, compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car? So, Jeff, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I think absolutely Mary gets in the car. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that whole idea of of dissecting the songs in that way. I used to do that with a lot of Jim Morrison's, the Doors songs, right? Because his poetry was so, so unique. And... You're going to inspire me to go back and reread some of the lyrics from Bruce now. Mary gets in the car. Very nice. It is. I've told this story multiple times. What when he was on the podcast the first time and he was wrapping up and he was said, oh, and by the way, I teach this when I we go over it. And I went, what do you mean? Of course she gets in the car. Why are you even asking the question? <laughs> and he ended up coming back and doing a mini version of what he teaches his class, going over that oh, cool. that it's a choice. And yeah. it's a and it is scary to make choices. It is yeah. safer to not make a choice. And yeah. I reached out to him and I said do you care if I use this? It goes, I don't care. So that's why I always give him credit. That's bad. Uh, and I end every podcast with it. And it's just, it is always a fun thing to go to give people. And thank you for you. I well, love when people So, so smile. you interviewed him. You talked about that dissection on your podcast. Yes. I'm going to have to go back and listen. Yeah, to that I will episode. send you a link. And then I will, yeah, I will I would send love you a couple links. Then after I've been doing this a couple of years, I put together a collection of people's answers, sent that to him, and then he came on and talked about the people's answers. Oh, I, that's so I'll great. send you the three links. So it's yeah, great. that that would be great. I would love Good. that. Good, Jeff. If someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? I'm I'm huge on LinkedIn. I love the LinkedIn platform, so okay. I'm out there. I also have a website jeffreyston.com I've written a couple books and you can find them there on my website as well as my blog that I've mentioned a couple times and of course Status Go wherever you listen to your favorite podcast like like this one Very nice Jeff this was a lot of fun thank you for joining me and this was great I appreciate it it's always fun to talk to another podcaster. I also like to give them a break where they get to be, they get to answer the questions. So Uh 
thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Listeners, go check out his website. Go, if you're on LinkedIn, reach out to him, connect, check out the website, check out the podcast. For now, thank you for listening. I want you to go be kind, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. I want and need your feedback. You can reach me multiple ways that tell me what you like or don't like about the show. You can reach out to give me guest suggestions or maybe to join me on the podcast yourself. We're on Twitter at SetLustingBruce or at Jesse Jackson DFW. I have an Instagram, SetLustingBruce or Jesse Jackson DFW. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash setlustingbruce. Go to patreon.com slash setlustingbruce to find out how you can support the show. And we have several tiers of support. Please go to your favorite podcast player and hit subscribe. And tell a friend about the podcast because that is the way we're going to grow. If you're not tired of hearing me speak, you can hear me on Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, where Charles Skaggs and I talk all things Doctor Who, the How Many podcast, where me and my friends Gary, Scott, Bob, and Jr. talk pop culture, and finally, my newest podcast, The Last Best Hope for Conversation, a Babylon 5 podcast, where Karen, Lou, and I are going through the TV show Babylon 5 one episode at a time. I am always looking for guests, so please reach out to me, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. That listening, Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.